You're listening to Kick-Ass Radio for Kick-Ass People, the show where we interview awesome people who have achieved tremendous success in their lives. Our guests will share with you their story and five tips you can implement for living your kick-ass life. Now for our host, Christopher Roush. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's my life, and that's Bon Jovi. Yes, you are here at your place for motivation, inspiration, and education. the Kick-Ass Radio Show. I'm your host, Christopher Roush. want to welcome you all to our show tonight. We have a great show planned for you, and uh, basically here on the Kick-Ass Radio Show, we're here to help you create an unstoppable attitude for personal and professional success. What we do is each week, me and my guests, we talk about what it takes to have a kick-ass life, both personally and professionally, and my guest shares five tips that you can begin using immediately. So I really encourage you to make sure that you have a pen and paper right there with you, unless you're driving, of course, and then you can always catch the show afterwards. It goes to podcast. So uh, if you want to catch the show afterwards and, and take additional notes, I highly encourage you to go to my website. It's ChristopherRoush.com, R-A-U-S-C-H, ChristopherRoush.com. You head to the radio show tab, and halfway down, there's a link to iTunes, or there's also a player right there on the page you can check out. So, yeah, take notes, because that's what kick-ass people do in order to make their life better, because you can start working on this stuff tonight, even tomorrow. That's what, that's what this is all designed to do. And we're here every single Monday evening at 6 p.m. bringing you this. So we've been on uh, for, let's see, I think last week we celebrated our 108th show, I believe. Now we're on 109, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just check. Um, yeah, we're on 109 shows tonight. So when you think about that, if there's been five tips on each show times 108 shows, that's a shitload of tips, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, I said shitload because this is the kick-ass radio show, so I hope your ears aren't burning because it's just a word. Anyways, so <laughs> speaking of guests, last week we had um, – a lady that we call Kay, but it's actually uh, her name is Kaikara, and a uh, really super kick-ass lady. She came on here and talked about what it means to live a life by values and legacy, and that's so critically important. When you know what your legacy is, the rest of your life becomes really kick-ass, and you begin to feel and, and know what your purpose is in life. And she also talked about forgiveness of self and others. She has a pretty interesting story uh, about nearly dying and how it changed her perspective. And also talked about ego and being more confident than arrogant. And again, this is a discussion between me and my guest for an hour, just talking back and forth about what it takes to have this awesome life and that you can use too. That's the whole purpose of this. That's why I've been doing this for well over a year and a half and just love, love, love doing this. So uh, again, if you want to go and catch those shows, we've had amazing guests. Just go over to ChristopherRoush.com, R-A-U-S-C-H.com. Check out the radio show tab. Anyways, my guest tonight is Charlene Cristiano. And she is your authentic communication expert, a.k.a. the ace. And she's a national communication and sales trainer, speaker, and author. And what Charlene does is she teaches us how to master a fast and powerful system to become more effective and outperform our competition. Who does not want to outperform our competition? I mean, come on. Not only that, she also teaches how to inspire others with authentic communication to improve relationships and to increase our ability to offer solutions in a patient yet logical way, which I'm sure Charlene's going to elaborate on in just a moment. Only through authentic communication, she believes that we can hope to succeed in our business and our personal life as well. Communication is huge. I tell everybody, if there's one thing you can learn in this life is to be able to excellent communicator, both interpersonally and publicly. So without any further ado, let's welcome to the Kick-Ass Radio Show, Charlene. Charlene, are you here with us tonight? I most certainly am. Can you hear me? 
I can hear you and I can see you too. That's it's the beauty of the internet. We've got a webcam placed in your house right now and we're watching you. Oh, so let me sit back down again. Is it too dark? <laughs> You're playing along. I love it. I love it. Well, welcome to the Kick-Ass Radio Show, my dear. And I just gave everybody your uh, textbook introduction. But first, let me ask you, how are you doing? How rude of me. I am doing fabulous. Just kick-ass fabulous. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I do appreciate you asking. Uh, everything's set up and running, and hopefully we won't have any technological difficulties tonight. I've had some interesting things with my radio show recently, so I'm actually doing it on a different computer because I want to make sure it doesn't crash. But anyway, that's my own problem. But what I would like for you to do, my dear, is just uh, tell the, the audience, tell the world about you, what your story is, and definitely what makes you a kick-ass lady. Well, it all begins long, long time ago. Um, actually, uh, when I was nine years old, I had a near-death experience. Um, something as simple as having my tonsils and adenoids taken out as a child ended up turning into an almost <laughs> literally a life-changing event. I was hemorrhaging, and I remember even as a nine-year-old, as I'm watching literally the life pour out of me, looking at my parents' face, and this sense of absolute peace and calm came over me as I'm watching their terror as I'm literally hemorrhaging to death. And I just got into this space of complete compassion. And I just kind of drifted off to sleep and obviously stopped bleeding because here I am. But what that took me down is through a road to nursing. I realized very soon afterwards that this was a call for compassion and to help others. Because I felt so badly for my parents, I wanted to help them feel better. So that Christmas, my parents on some level, do what to get me. So they got me a Nancy Nurse doll. So I'm really dating myself because this is in the 60s. Well, Nancy Nurse was my patient. She came with a bed and everything, you know, the, the medicine table, the medicine cup. You know, I had the little, the little nurse hat and the stethoscope. So I started my nursing career at the age of nine with my Nancy Nurse doll. <laughs> so I've always <laughs> known what I wanted to do. I know, it sounds a little strange. But there were kind of twists and turns along the way. I was, uh, you know, I tended to be very quiet and grew up in a very strict household. My father was a policeman. So we were to be seen and not heard, very much had to be respectful, no talking back, um, you know, always listening to the elders. You know, we were, we were raised. We didn't grow, you know, raise ourselves. We had actually people in there doing it for us. So I didn't really have a voice. And it wasn't until I was in my teenagers, like most, that I found my voice. I had been a, a victim of being bullied throughout uh, most of my middle and high school years, and most of it was not standing up for myself because I was afraid of what my father would say. So I became this victim out of fear of not communicating that it was not okay. So at 17, I actually found my voice with my father, and I'll never forget that day. I just let him have it. So uh, he learned right then that um, I, I have a voice, I'm I can communicate, and I am not a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so that was nice. an interesting day. We'll just leave it at that. From there, I went on to nursing school. And I did become a nurse, and it was, you know, my dream come true ever since I was a kid. I was able to help people, and it was through nursing that all of my experiences, not just with direct patient care, but I also held positions in sales and marketing, education, administration. I did program development. You name it, I think I've done it. And through all that, I've mastered the art of communication. Because if it's one thing in healthcare is if you don't communicate properly or clearly, 
people can die. And I can't even tell you how many times I saved a bad outcome, the wrong medication, a surgical issue, or just a total breakdown in the whole healthcare process simply by knowing what questions to ask, when, and how. So I've had, I've been in nursing 30 years. I'm a board-certified nurse practitioner, and so I consider myself a true master at communication. The last position I held was um, I started a palliative care end-of-life program, Death and Dying, and that was my favorite job. I loved being there for the patients and family, but the unique part of that job is it wasn't really well-received by others in the institution. So I had to learn how to sell death. And so what I tell people is if you can sell death, then you're better than me because I've, so, I've sold the ultimate product line, letting go and letting people die. <laughs> wow. And I did it That's very amazing. well. Yeah. Yeah, I did it very well. And, you know, in, in my little sick data mind, of course, I keep statistics on how well I did, not only just with the physicians, but predominantly with patients and families to see was I able to communicate the right information for them to understand that they're at the point of needing to let go and just let nature take its course. And actually, I had a 92% conversion rate. So <laughs> There's actually a conversion rate in palliative care? Well, they were my conversion rate. So, you know, this is not something, you know, that most people teach us. You know, keep track of how many conversations you have and how many people actually convert to letting themselves die. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite that bad. But in my warped little healthcare mind, I really, it was a tool for me to see just how well I was able to communicate to the patients, to the family, and provide a service that everyone needed, not just the hospital, but the patients and families who were needlessly suffering because of prolonged care and fear from the doctors of letting go and not having an honest conversation with them. So it was my kind of internal tracking to see just how well I did, and I did really, really well. <laughs> so what, what, I did what was so your... Well. I was going to say, I did no. so well, I actually saved the hospital $3 million in six months. Wow. So what was your what was your like key phrase or your key selling point for palliative care? You know, it was very individual when I was talking to patients and families. The first thing you have to do in any communication is come in providing a space of safety so that they can trust you. So that instant developing of rapport is crucial, especially when you're in those vulnerable situations. But that holds true in any environment. In order to have a conversation with someone, whether it be a personal conversation or specifically in business, and in my case, definitely healthcare, you really have to master how you show up to build that sense of trust, safety, and rapport. And I was actually able to do that very, very quickly, within seconds, sometimes, you know, minutes, only because of that's the space I was able to hold. And it took a while. It's, it's, some, it's a skill you can learn. And I was really able to master that. So having that foundation, it, it literally opens the door for the rest of the conversation to come afterwards. So where did you get your training in communication? How did you go from nursing to sales and communication training, and where did you get your training at? Well, most of my training was um, on the job, basically, because we, you know, we literally had to communicate constantly to all different professionals, to patients, to families, to internal services, um, you know, external companies and businesses. I also did a lot of home health care. 
But we, you know, we did have some training in school for communication. We had some minor courses on how to communicate. I had the classical undergraduate speech course that most of us had to take. And um, I, I just kind of learned. I'm, I'm one of these perpetual um, learners, lifelong learners, so I would just go and listen and listen and fine-tune. And then through the process of, you know, going on for my master's and multiple certifications, you really just get that, you have to know how to communicate. So you kind of learn through the process of osmosis. But then I also took it a step further, and I've done a lot of my own personal professional development and, and learned how to communicate, communicate, took communication courses and things like that to make me much more efficient in speaking to other people, especially in wow. business. You know, it, it, it's interesting. One of my first classes, or my actual first class in junior college was an interpersonal communications class. And when they gave that to me, I thought, I know how to talk. I thought it was ridiculous. And I, and I tell people this to this day. That was the most influential, best class I had to take because it really taught me all about communication, interpersonal communication, body language. So the, I love this conversation. So the people that are listening, you guys out there, uh, really pay attention to what we're doing because we are setting the example of how the whole world should talk. <laughs> you know, not, not oh, necessarily absolutely. That, to, 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 that, to that extent, but I'm fascinated with this. So I think it's a great subject. And, and for those of you guys out there, for you, those of you just joining us, we're on the Kick-Ass Radio Show. We're talking with Charlene Cristiano, and we're talking about communication, which is huge personally and professionally in everything you do. So I'm sure we're going to have a lot of tips for you, so make sure you're writing them down. And if you'd like to call in and ask either one of us a question, you're most certainly welcome. This is actually live, so you can call in at 646-378-1582. Again, that is 646-378-1582. If you're shy and don't want to be on the radio, you can send us a tweet at Guide. You can go there. And, of course, a lot of you are on social media with me on Facebook. You can hit me up there. You can send us an email, info at thekickassradioshow.com. Any one of those ways you want to ask us a question, feel free. So, Charlene, what we, we talked about – I heard you say something about authentic communication. I love authenticity. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. That's why I've done the kick-ass thing. I stopped doing the suit and tie speaking. What do you mean by authentic communication? You know, it, it means several things to many people. Oftentimes when I say authentic communication, people automatically go to, oh, she's going into woo-woo land. You know, oh, we're going into that divine. And while that's a piece of it, authentic communication is really just knowing who you are and how you communicate. But also more importantly, how does the other person communicate that's right in front of you? And so when you know how that you are communicating and you're coming from your true self, but at the same time being respectful and modifying the communication, how the other person receives it, that is when you tap into true authentic communication because you're letting go of the ego part and what the outcome is, and you're just being there to make sure that the communication is as pure as you can make it as a, as a giver of the information and as a receiver to get it back. So is and that, that's is really that what authentic of, communication is. Is that along the lines of also being transparent? Because I know some people – struggle with being transparent and being vulnerable and, and letting people see the real self to develop that trust in that rapport you were talking about? Or is that is that something just about having the confidence to be able to articulate your, your words and your body language? You know what? You, it's actually the first. You really have to know who you are and speak from your true self because you cannot fake authenticity. I don't care how well trained you are. 
and I'm, you know, you've been to a lot of conferences like me. We see the top of the line salespeople, and they get up in there and they train in all of these techniques and NLP and all of, you know, you name it, X, Y, Z, and they stand there and they give these great speeches, and there's just this little something you go, yeah, but they don't really mean it, or yep. mm, I'm not quite buying it because they're not authentic. They've just mastered a skill without really believing it, and so that tells you they've got something to hide behind it. There's another agenda. Yep. Yep. And it's, so you it's so... truly have to be transparent. Absolutely. Because you know what? When you have people like me, I will sniff you out in three words. I'll go, eat <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and just, to, just to build on what you're saying, Charlene, when you're authentic and you're just being you, I've learned this because I was a suit and tie speaker for a lot of years, trying to say the things to make people like me and, and all that other stuff. And when I just decided I was just going to be me, warts and all, it's really it's so much easier to speak to people from the heart and to be vulnerable and to just be you that you don't have to remember what you just said and how you said it. It's like come from the heart, you know, really articulate your words, choose your words, but also just be you. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's the key to success, really, because if you're not authentic, at some point people are going to realize you're just a cheesy salesman trying to get something from them. It might take them a while if they're not quite paying attention, and then they get angry. But when you're really authentic and transparent, it it makes life so much easier. Business just flows, and you get to a point, like I get to a point where I can just walk in a room and I'm like a, like a, a light bulb to a moth. They just kind of find their way to me. Because I don't, I'm not worried about what people think of me. I'm not worried. I don't have some pretense. I'm really just being there from a place of service, being as real as I can to do that. Now we're human, so you know I'm I'm, I'm not some you know <laughs> Denny God You're here in special really? powers. Yeah, I am human. You know, and it does. It is a process. You have to. You know, it's a learning curve. And you know, all the work I've done over the last two plus decades. You know, you still peel off the layers of, well, where am I not authentic? Oh, there's a little judgment there. Oh, maybe I need to look at that. So it's it's having the courage and the vulnerability to call yourself on your own crap. Yes. And and deal with it and clear it, and you have to own it. And when yeah. you clear it and own it, that's when you can take that layer of authenticity to a whole nother place. So true, and most, so, so true. Yeah, and most people will respond to that. You know why? Because they're human too. Yep. And they like people to be real, making mistakes. I just tripped over a word. Okay, so that's a mistake. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, I just blew the whole thing because I tripped over the word mistake. No, I'm human. And so when people recognize that, wow, you're human too, I can relate to you. You're not mm-hmm. 100% perfect or thinking that you are so. Yep, that's so true. So there's a so different tell- relatedness to it. Yeah. So tell so you talked about, you know, education. I'm I'm a big fan of books. I've read a, a bazillion books, a lot of books on communication. What, what are some of the, what are some of the great resources that you've used that we can share with the listeners that they can uh take upon themselves to start reading and start learning about as far as communication goes? Well, you know what? One of my downfalls is I don't remember books and authors. <laughs> Once I'm Uh-oh. done, they're gone. So, but I can tell you some of the training I've done. Um, most of it, a, a good chunk of it has been personal development for me, and that has been through Landmark Education. I'm a Landmark grad, and they have two communication courses, which are phenomenal. So that's above and beyond that I've done. 
The other one I've done work with is Quantum Leap with Peak Potential. And then the other majority part of my communication background has been within the professional realm, either within the hospital setting where we've had trainings or we've been given resources that are now 20 years old and no longer viable. Um, but there's so many different good communication tools out there, like who moved my cheese, you know, helps you recognize, yeah. you know, wh- what shows up in the communication process when things happen. So there's there's a ton or a plethora of resources out there. And one of the things that, you know, I've been trained on and certified in is a specific methodology that we'll talk about, which is really all about communication and sales. So who do you think... Who do you think is a great speaker? You know, I mean, obviously we have to talk about public speaking at this point, but who do you think really has the ability to articulate themselves, whether it's a, a personal, uh, a professional, an athlete or whatever it is? Who are some people that you really think can can be examples of great communication? Oh, well, let's see. Right up the top of the list. Um, well, let's see who I've listened to. I've, I've listened to Brenda Bouchard. Bo Eason, um, Tony Robbins, but um, sometimes when he's when he's really good and authentic, he's good, and when he's not, he's not, and that's just my personal opinion. So for all those Tony mm-hmm. fans out there, I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's my personal thing. Um, Sherry Tree. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about the art of being able to communicate? I mean, you know, she, she's just unbelievable. She's, she's awesome. At the top of the line. She is just amazing, and. There's just a host. I, I, there's so many to even talk about. Ava Diamond is fabulous. Um, Les Brown for motivation. You know, Les he, Brown. He, he can just he can just plow it out there. Um, let me see who else was really good. There was a guy I just heard this past. Oh, um, John Acoff was fabulous. I just heard him last week at uh, Infusionsoft. He is absolutely. Fabulous. He just put out his book Do Over, so I'm giving him a plug and no I'm not an affiliate. So transparency <laughs> <laughs> here. I get no feedback on him. Um he he just talked about starting and doing things over again, but he actually presented and just the way he spoke to the audience and how he presented his message and it was so transparent, so authentic, with like nothing behind it. And that is the true speaker. Because when they're up there doing that sales pitch, you know they want something from you. Yes. Yes, that's so true. It's it's you know it's interesting, Charlene is in, uh, obviously we've been in the the different you know seminar worlds and whatnot. It's interesting because there's one school of thought like I don't want to go to a pitch fest and I don't want to be sold a bunch of stuff, but. Then again, these people are entrepreneurs and they're trying to make you know a dollar, so you kind of got to expect it. But you just like you said, it's about being subtle. It's like, okay, here's my service, here's my story, here's what I do, and if you want to continue learning with me, then here's my product or here's my service. I mean, it's 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 kind of interesting because people say, oh, I don't, I want to go get the information, but I don't want to be pitched. What do you think about that? Well, you know what? That's very interesting because I've been starting to walk out of these big pitch fests. Yeah. And I and while I recognize that people are there to earn an income, again, it comes down to that authentic communication. Are you really there to help me with value-added content for exactly. my success? Or are you really pitching to me just to make money off me? Exactly. And that's the key difference for me. If you're up there and you're just, you, you know, if you're giving me content, 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 value, 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 and I know that you really deliver in this and have my best interest at heart, I'm there with my credit card. 
But if you're going to sit there and pitch fest me and tell me how great you are and how successful you're going to make me and all you have to do is this for 1995 and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, mm, yep. I'm out of here. Have uh, a nice day. I'm going to go get some coffee. <laughs> uh, I, I'm totally with you, sister. I'm totally with you. It's it's interesting, the balance of that. Uh, when you when you find speakers like that, I'm not going to name any speakers that I've seen because I, I just I want to take the professional route. But there are there are those speakers out there like you just said. You can just immediately tell the cheesiness, like oh yeah, look at my shit eating grin, and you know here's what I'm going to do for you. And, and as opposed to people like um, let me think, let me think, uh, Jeff Walker, uh, Jeff Walker's yeah. one guy that seems totally just down to earth, super cool. He just uh, did his book launch, which is an amazing book, and uh, there's um, I'm trying to think of who else. There was somebody recently that I heard that. Oh, Callan Rush. Have you heard of Callan Rush? You know what? I'm on his subscriber list, and, and I heard him a long time ago. It's a but shame. But not recently. <laughs> Actually, oh, in, sorry, again, Steve, sorry. Like you said, you know, tons and tons of content. It's like you feel almost obligated to buy something because they've given you so much stuff. It's just, it's really, it's really just amazing. Um, you know, along the lines of, of communication, I find this next question for you pretty fascinating. Talk to us about the importance of knowing whether somebody is an auditory person or a kinesthetic person or a visual person as we're engaging in the communication process. Oh, that that is huge, and um, I can actually reflect that back to nursing because people do learn different ways, and I tend to be much more of a visual kinesthetic versus an auditory. So when you're dealing with people, you really have to be in tune to how they receive information. Sometimes you have to ask them, you know, and we learn that in nursing. So when we would have to teach a specific procedure or you know, like a dressing change or, you know, information about diabetes, we would say, how, how do you learn best? So we would just mm-hmm. come out and ask people because we wanted to meet them where they learned best. If they didn't know, we gave them a combination of all three. So you're not always going to be in a position to ask people, well, how do you learn best, visual, auditory, or kinesthetic? They're going to look at you like you have four heads. <laughs> so, I mean, really, but you can kind of hear it in their language. Sure. So, for example, your visual people are going to see, you know, I see what you're talking about. I saw that yesterday. I really get that. Your kinesthetic is like, you know, I really feel what you're telling me. I can sense that you really know what you're talking about. Right. And the auditory is like, you know, I really hear what you're telling me. You know, so they're, they're using the words in their responses to give you that first clue, whether they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. If they don't like you touching them, they are definitely not kinesthetic. So you really? get those people that you try to, oh, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, hands off. I want nothing for you to touch me. So they're usually, that's usually more you get right there. They're either visual or auditory. They're in their oh, head. Wow. They're not in their body. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hmm, I didn't, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning something, too. I didn't know about that. And mm-hmm. one of the things, one of the things I teach people is, that if you don't have the opportunity, I'm I'm a big believer in like you said, just asking. It's like, hey, listen, you know, what can, how can I make sure I I give this information to you in a way that you're going to absorb it and really get it? But what it ta- I, one of the things I tell people, if you can't, is generally speaking, again, generally, you walk into somebody's office or something like that. If they've got a lot of stuff around on their desk, and then that generally means they're visual people, wouldn't you agree? Not necessarily. No. Not necessarily. There's a whole other piece to that which is what I train on. So it, it gets more than just, you know, things laying out or just they need to be more visual. That, that's 
that's a little bit of a whole different subject. But you will see, um, yeah, that's just a whole different subject. <laughs> there oh. could be truth to that, but it's not an absolute. Oh, because I always, I always, you know, relatively speaking, would see, okay, that person like me, if you walk into my office, I've got post-it notes everywhere, I've got quotes everywhere, I've got all sorts of stuff and knickknacks, and I'm a very visual person, I'm an auditory person, but I've actually changed more to be a visual person, but if you walk into somebody's office and I've seen them where they have literally nothing around and everything's like neat and tidy, then I, I picture them being a, see, I just said picture, uh, I picture them being a more of an auditory person, but that's good to know, that's good, that's very good to know. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of interchange. They interchange. That's not. I've not. I've not personally found that to be an absolute. So if somebody else has other experiences, that would be great to know. But that has not been my experience. Nice, nice. Well, well good. We we can continue to learn from you. When you know, speaking about words, we were just talking about. I'll just I'll ask this question right now. What are some words that you feel should not be used in the English language? <laughs> should. Stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Stop <laughs> shooting on yourself. Yeah. Um, no, unless you absolutely mean it. No, to back someone off you if you're, <laughs> because no just stops you. No is an is an ego response to prevent you from moving forward, and it usually comes from the past. So when you hear yourself say no, go, oh, isn't that interesting? Maybe I should say yes and move forward. Or if I'm saying no, it's an opportunity to say, why am I saying no? So it's a learning opportunity. So right. let's see. So we have no, we have should. Um, hate is another word because of the energy that's with it. The word hate, like, oh, I hate that because there totally is an agree. energy to words. Yeah. So a lot of those negative words have a profound impact energetically on the body. Yes. And that would be one of them. Yeah. Um, just like love. When someone says, oh, I love you, you feel so good because there's an energetic chemical reaction. Same with hate. Let's see what other words should not be used. What do you think about the uh, word try? Yeah, because you're not really trying. You're trying. Yeah. What, what, when you use try, you're, you're coming up with an excuse not to. I totally you're, agree. You're not committing. So if you, if you, oh, well, I'll try to do that. No, you're not. You're, you're just yeah. pacifying the person who's asking you the question. Exactly. Yep. I, because I think you don't want to look a... bad or you don't want to make a decision. Yeah. Exactly. I think there's. A, I think I've been struggling with this for a while because I, I totally completely agree with you, but I think there is a certain small part where it's like, okay, I will try. You know, where you're being honest with yourself, like, okay, I will try to get out and network more. I will try. But again, it comes like like Yoda said. You know, there either is do or don't. You know. So I, I think that I think that's pretty interesting. What do you think about the words always and never? Um. They're very rarely accurate. Yeah. Yep. You know, you, you, you we, we will always die, but every once in a while we bring some back, bring someone back for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But in the end, you know, so far we haven't brought anybody back that's been been gone for a while. Um, right. It, it's not one of my favorites that there's the only thing that's always is love. No matter how painful things are, no matter how angry people are or hurtful, I mean, we're living in a world right now where, you know, there are many places so far from love, but love isn't always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that that's uh, what, 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know what's interesting is I tell people don't use always and never in in, in personal in personal relationship coaching I've done because what it does is like if somebody sits there enough, I say, Charlene, you always have the wrong answer when I ask you a question. What's your immediate reaction to defend yourself? It's like no, not of always. There was this, there, there was this time I did it and this time I did it. Or if you say, oh, you never make me feel special. You never do this. It immediately puts people on the defensive, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to, and what are they going to do? They're going to put you down. They're going to say, well, this is what you do, and, th- and it becomes this war. And I've taught people, just, just eliminate those two words, and your relationships will grow stronger and better. And, and even if you say it to yourself, it's like, oh, I never can get this right, or I always screw it up. You've got to change those, those words that you use because that really, like you said before, is the energy. I stopped using the word hate Probably a couple of years ago, I realized I was like, you know, I hate you too, or I hate this. And it's like, no, I actually just don't care for it, but I respect them as an artist. And it changes your whole your whole disposition. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, when, when you do, say the words always or never in, in a relationship like that, it is a trigger, it, a trigger of defense because it, it um, connotes judgment. So yeah. you're judging the other person for what you think they should be doing. Again, that should word. So it's yourself. <laughs> judgment placed on them and putting them on the defense because they don't agree with you. Right, right. So that's where the always and never comes in. And so when you use it on yourself, like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, I never do this right. You're judging yourself. So whether it's self-talk or or some word spoken to another person, it automatically triggers a judgment. Yep, yep. I totally, totally agree. And for those of you guys just joining us out there, we're on the Kick-Ass Radio Show. We're talking with Charlene Cristiano. Christian, how do you pronounce it? Cristiano, right? Cristiano. Cristiano. We're talking with Charlene Cristiano. We're talking about communication, which is super huge, and I just screwed it up. But we are human, and we are authentic, and that's the kind of people we are. We're not perfect. And we're talking about communication. If you guys would like to call in and ask either one of us a question, you can call in at 646-378-1582. Or, of course, you can catch us on social media. Tweet me a question at Guide. And also on Facebook, you guys, most a lot of you guys know me there. So uh, feel free to hit us up. So uh, Christine or Charlene, give us. Well, I'm really batting a thousand all of a sudden. <laughs> give oh, us, it, uh, it's called ass. communication night. <laughs> yeah, it was me staring at the name Christine on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and give us kick-ass tip number one, my dear. Okay, let's see. Let me put my uh, authentic communication reading glasses on. Okay, <laughs> so my <laughs> so my kick-ass tip number one is. Be prepared, organized, and on time. For some people, this is a deal maker or breaker. So if you're one of these people who tend to either get there at the last second or always run late, if you do business or in a relationship with someone who is always on time, and for them that means 15 to 30 minutes early, and if you're not, it can can break the deal. And so if you have a big deal on the table, and you're with someone who who really values time, you're done. I I definitely definitely agree. So talk to us about some tips on on uh, being on time because I know for me I will be truthful. I try to jam so much stuff into my day that I'll be like, okay, I have to be there at three thirty, so that means of traffic, it's going to be forty five minutes, so I need to give myself five minutes, and I'll, I'll I'll do all the math, but then I'll get caught up into something and be like, oh crap, you know. So talk to us about maybe some tips that people can be a little bit better, you know, maybe setting their watch five minutes ahead. I, I've done that. Talk to us about a couple of tips that maybe the people can implement. Well, you know, I have always been, in the past, a chronic late person. And part of that is something that I learned from my dad. 
who literally was always late. So this is the one time I'm actually using always and mean it. So <laughs> I was thinking about that. I'm like she just said always. Because he was always late, literally. I mean, I don't think the man was ever on time, not even for his own funeral. I mean, it was really, and I'm serious. I mean, it was just, the man just was always late. So what I've done, it was kind of a learned behavior. And what it really means is when you're late all the time or you tend to be late a lot or you don't think it's important for the other person, what it's saying is is you're not respecting the other person's time. And so when I find myself in that, pattern of trying to get things done and squeezing stuff in. I'm like, wait, I have someone waiting for me whose time I'm not being respectful for. And so it's a trigger. You have to create the trigger to take you out of that pattern of being late. So whether it's, you know, you set an alarm clock 15 minutes before you actually planned on leaving. And then when it goes off, you just stop. You just commit to stopping because it's a commitment, commitment to respecting other people's time, including your own. Because most of us don't, you know, some of us can be flexible and and say, well, it's not too bad. But we've all probably have experienced at one point someone who's a half hour, 45 minutes late, and you're sitting there going, you know, they didn't even call. They don't even care that I'm sitting here. I mean, it really, it it just feels bad. So, you know, I've learned that sometimes stuff happens. You you can plan to get there early. And I had this happen a couple weeks ago. I left early. And there were like three accidents on the highway and there was construction and all this going on. There wasn't anything in my control because I would have had to leave 45 minutes earlier and I would never have even thought to do that. So in that case, when you find you're running late, you have to make sure that you have the numbers with you to call and contact them ahead of time. Because if it's someone who really values being on time, they may just say, you know what? Deal's over. I'm not interested anymore. Or, you know what, I can't do this now. Why don't we reschedule? So when you find that you have these time issues, just be honest with yourself of how much am I really respecting, not just my time, but the other person's time. And then own it and make the the commitment to change the, the behavior. Yep, it's so true. And one of the things that I do for myself, I've learned this recently, is I'll have somebody's number and then I'll be driving. And of course, we're not supposed to be looking at our phones and driving. So now what I do, if I'm going somewhere and I, there's a pop probability that I might be late or something might come up, I put it in my calendar with their phone number as the location. So when I pull up my yep. calendar, I just I just hit the number and it automatically dials them. And then also, if I'm going to a place I'm not familiar with, I will call ahead. This is a new thing I've learned because, you know, you go to a new place and all of a sudden you find out, oh, parking is atrocious or parking's over here. So now I call the establishment ahead of time and say, okay, what's the situation with your parking? Do you have paid parking? Do you have valet parking? Do you have to park on the street? Is it metered parking? Do I need change? And I ask all those questions up ahead of time because I found out those personally for me were the things that were causing me to be late. And uh, it's been it's been awesome. It really it's like okay, wow, okay, you find out about parking. Okay, well, I got to leave another fifteen minutes early because you have to park two blocks away, something like that. Um, exactly, it, it's planning for the unexpected. Yeah, you know, you got to. And yeah. I know that, and as long as you acknowledge that, but you're so right. When you respect somebody else's time, even, I mean, it just pops into my head. Even as a speaker, it bugs the crap out of me when somebody says, okay, you know, they've got a 45-minute slot, and then an hour and a half later, they're still jammering on. For me as a speaker, you tell me I have 45 minutes, I'm going to be done in 44 minutes and 59 seconds. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, exactly. Because people people do want to feel respected. I mean, that's, that's super huge. Then, then they're going to listen to you and they're going to engage with you. But if you don't have that respect, then it's not going to happen. Um, give us kick-ass tip number two. 
Okay, number two is allow people to do their own research before buying without taking it personally or blowing them off as a customer because some people actually have to do that, do the research. And if you push them, you lose the deal. So there are those people out there that actually buy a certain way. Some people will buy real quick. You show them something, yep, I'm in, here's my credit card, we're out of here, go. And other people, we've all experienced them, they're the ones that go, you know, I really have to think about it. Do you have any more information? And you'll give information, do you have any more information? You know, I, I don't quite get it. And so when you start hearing those things, you know you've got someone who needs a lot of information, and they're probably not going to buy from you. Because if you don't give them the information or if something's not right in the logic or you push them, you've lost the deal. So these would be people, and I don't mean to be loop everybody in one group, but these, these tend to be more of like your science people those that, that work in a lot of <laughs> data and research. And you, I guess what we would call the nerds, although, you know, depending on other factors, they may not be that way. But most of the time you'll find that people need to research a lot. And I'll give you a personal example. There are a lot of things that I buy real quick. But there are a couple things that I research the nth degree out of, which drives all the salespeople crazy. One is a car. I will make sure I know every spec on that car, what's under the hood, what's the turn radius, what's the compression ratio. I mean, you name it, I know. Now, yes, I'm a strange female to go that way, but that's how I buy a car. Versus I could walk into a jewelry store and go, oh, I like that. I'll take it. It's mine. (laughs) So, So I know it's pretty. I'll buy it. But some people literally have to do the research research before they'll buy because if they find that you are not credible, especially in a business, if they find that you're not credible or that you're not who you say you are, they will not do business with you. Mm-hmm. They want to know that you are the expert, that you have all the information that they want to learn. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, I want to ask you your opinion on this because I know in, I've recently been learning sales, more sales, you know, obviously what I do. And because I'm one of those people, it's like, okay, hey, if you want it, great. If not, no big deal. And I've had people tell me, Chris, you need to be able to effectively sell them. If they are if they say, oh, I want to make a decision later on, that chances are they're just saying that to be nice to get to get away from you. When do you know whether or not to, you know, in sales, when do you know whether or not to, to push a little bit and, and be a little bit more um, convincing, I guess, would you say? Or do you, or do well, you subscribe you know, to the idea that, okay, hey, here's my offer, here's the product, and, and you have, you know, a couple of days to think about it? You know what? And that and that's a really good question. And prior to what I know now, that's exactly what I do. I would give them some information, let go of the outcome. But the methodology I use now and what I teach people, especially in business and those that want to change their communication, is learning how to identify those people in less than 90 seconds so that you know exactly who is in front of you and how they make that buying decision. Are they going to be that person that you need to make sure you give them the website, a white paper, research data, numbers, financials, whatever your business is, and that you just give them information. Sometimes the more you give them, they are just happy campers, but it might take three and six months to close a deal with them, okay, versus the one who's real quick to make judgments and and purchase and go – they don't want all that information. 
So that's exactly what I teach is how to identify those people very quickly so that you know the true, I need to think about it, I need to research this more, versus those that are just giving you the blow off like, eh, I'll think about it later. You, there's a nuance in, in how they're saying it to pick up on also to know sure. that they truly want the information. Right. They're not just BSing you saying, oh, yeah, so uh, does that come in any other colors? You know, um, what the heck was I just going to ask you? I just had a question in my brain, then I looked down. Uh, crap. I love those um, moments. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, that's what I was. <laughs> do you find Do you find those people that need more information, are those more the kinesthetic type of people? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Mm-mm. Yeah. They could be, but not necessarily. They tend to right. be the thinkers. Now they might yeah. they might be you know they might like fix things so they're always like playing with gadgets taking them apart or putting things together, but they're not necessarily necessarily that touchy feely kinesthetic person per se. Right, and, and it's it's interesting we're talking about speakers before. There's uh, a couple of speakers out there. And again, I'm going to be respectful and not give out their names, but there's that that will try to do the high pressure thing. It's like, okay, hey, you know, I've got this event and I'm going to do it for $97, but you have to decide right now. And I've had them ask me, so what do you think? I'm like, well, I need time to think about that and really see if it applies in my life. Well, if you're not serious and they do this high pressure thing, my immediate reaction is, okay, I'm going to make my decision. And then they look at me with like these eager eyes, and I'm like, nope. Like, well, why? And I said, because of your mannerisms and you're just trying to sell me on something as opposed to providing me a service. So it goes back to what you and I were saying before. You know, it, we have to do that because this day and age, I mean, I know me personally, I go on review sites. I check Amazon reviews. I check Yelp reviews. You know, I, I Google to see if somebody's been sued. I look for product recalls. I mean, I'm I'm a very, I'm not very spontaneous as far as, you know, making purchases. And even with that, I've learned recently that, you know, Amazon, unless it's a verified purchase, you know, people get, you know, all their friends to go on there and make rave reviews. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. What do you, what do you go in when you think about something, Charlene, what do you go, what, what goes into play as far as whether or not you're going to buy something? You know, for me personally, it, number one, it has to make sense for me as far as, now there's a clue because I said make sense. Is it something that I need to incorporate right now? Is it something that I want or something that I need? Can I see that it'll help me in the future, or is this just something, another gadget for me to go squirrel and disappear with? (laughs) (laughs) I do squirrel well, you know? Um, Better known as shiny object syndrome if you don't know what squirrel means. Um, So, you know, again, I buy things very differently now than I did before. Because I'm, and depending, like I said, if it's a car, if it's a computer, or if it's a phone, or, you know, anything that's more electronic-based, I tend to have to research it. If it's a big money investment, like a business piece, I need to make sure, like you do, go online, make sure they're legitimate, they've not had big complaints, they've not had lawsuits, they've not been, you know, through four businesses in the last, you know, six months, that kind of thing. And then, you know, other things, if I know it's like a lower price item or something I know off the top of my head, yeah, I can use that in my business and why, then I will. So, for example, I bought a lead management system last week because I knew for a while that it was something that I had needed, but I just couldn't find the one that I wanted. And so when I finally saw this and they were able to show it to me, here's the visual, because I'm also visual, once they were able to show me what it looked like, then I was fine. 
Awesome. But everybody awesome. has different buying pra- – yeah, but everybody d- buys differently. You have those people that want low risk. So if it sounds anything risky to them, they're not going to buy. You have those that will buy anything at any time. We talked about those that will buy only if they research something ad nauseum. Sometimes it feels like <laughs> ad nauseum. And you cannot push them. You will never, ever sell them at all. Yep. And then you have, you know, then you have those if, if, if they think that you're being too hypey and you're just trying to pull something, something over them or that you're not ethical, they're not going to buy from you either. And they will tell all of their friends not to buy from you too. Yep. So that's what I teach is all based on some of that personality and all what's involved in the personality code. Gotcha, gotcha. No, it's it's super it's super important stuff. You and I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but I would hours. love for you to give us uh, kick-ass tip number three. Number three, nurture relationships before going in for the sale. Make sure your customer feels they are more important than the money, and you can't fake this one. So we talked about this before. We're moving out of a we're moving into another trend. So if you've ever heard of Michael Drew, who co-wrote The Pendulum, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. He talks about cycles. And he and his partner did this 40-year cycle research beginning thousands of years ago. And what they found is every 40 years, we go in and out of two major cycles, a we cycle and a me cycle. And so for most of us probably listening to this, we were born and grew up, in, at least in adult lives, in the me cycle. So that would be like, you know, the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was all about us, all about looking good. You know, the yuppies and the power, and it's all about me, and what can you give me? So we went through this whole about 40-year process of that, so that's dating me. So now we're moving into, according to him, the we cycle. So in the 60s, we heard in our music, you know, the old Coca-Cola song, I'd like to see, you know, see a world of hope, you know, that whole thing. And then we went into the 80s and 90s with grunge. So they were two distinct cycles. So we went from the 1960s, you know, dancing with flowers in our hair, the we cycle, to, Mom, I'm going to take you out with a gun kind of thing. That was, you know, the me, the me cycle. So right. we're finding from a marketing standpoint, we're moving back into the we cycle which means this nurturing piece is going to become more and more important. We know this already. We hear all about building relationship and content regarding relationship building and nurturing. This is why social media is so huge. If we were not in that relationship building cycle, social media would mean nothing. Because if you notice even how that went, it went from just giving you contact, buying from me, to now, here, let me give you value, 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 sale. Value, 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 value sale. So we know that people are wanting to build this relationship to build that trust. Right. And you know what's what's, what's something I learned a long time ago is people will buy from you when they know, like, and trust you. And that's what we were just talking about, you know, the the authenticity and just being yourself. Know, like, and trust. And especially in social social media, I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine last year. I was talking about an event that I went to put on. I put on my first event, and it was a success, and I went to go put on the second event, and it was like crickets as far as ticket sales, and I took it personally. And I talked to a friend of mine, and he goes, Chris, you don't have enough rabid fans yet. You need to nurture those relationships, get them to know, like, and trust you. Then they're going to get on a plane, and they're going to come out to California. They're going to do those things. So that's um, that's super important. Um, and and uh, so I, I just want to share that with you guys out there. Know, like, and trust is, is super important. As far as you know, the communication Huge. factor, 
What are some words and what are some phrases possibly that, that can go into helping uh, nurture those relationships and, and build a quick bond or build a quick rapport like you were talking about? Uh, I, the one thing unique with the nurturers, like I said, you can't fake it. So even if you use the words, if you don't mean it and, and, and the actions back it up, they're going to sniff you out like a dog. But some of the key words that you can use is, and it has to, it will come through if you do it right, which is another piece I teach, um, is using words of like, you know, I'm here to help you do this because, you know, I'm here to support you in this process. Or, you know, I really, you know, for those that are in the healing arts, a lot of times, I, I love that, I really love when you do this and, I, and, and my heart is with you. So you'll find that a lot in that nurturing business environment they use a lot of that nurturing language so if you don't do the spiritual realm just go list, watch the language they use that heart consciousness type of language however that doesn't work in all businesses so you can't use that language when you're going after a corporate 100 company but look at you and go get out of here you know because it's not their language so when you're trying to nurture people again it, it, it's the simple things it's like smiling through your emails and smiling through your social media using words that are nurturing, the help, the support. Um, is there something I can do for you? Let's collaborate on something. Right. You know, versus what can you give me? Who can you refer me to? You know, right. let's collaborate on something. Let's do a joint venture. Let me include you in this. Let sure. me share this with you. So it's all those kinds of things that you can use, especially in the business world. Exactly. No, I, I totally agree. It's it's amazing what you do when you just when you want to serve. Larry Broughton you know, talks about serving. And when you do that and you really yeah. have that genuineness about you, it's like, okay, hey, listen, I'm going to sell you this product, but I'm in it with you. And, and if you need me, I'm going to, here's my phone number, here's my email. You know, you, you build that into that and people, you know, actually love and gravitate towards it. Uh, give oh, us absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, give us kick-ass tip number four, my dear. Number four, keep the commitments you make. Your integrity no. and ability to be a trusted is on the line. <laughs> if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. In business, it's, man, you want to screw up a business deal or a business relationship, you keep breaking those commitments. It won't last long. In personal, in your personal life, we know this to know. We know this also. You know, people who are married, if you break one of those vows, you have broken a commitment. Guess what? How many divorces do we have in this country? Right. 50%. So, again, yeah. if you're committing to something, you better stand for it. And if you're not able to, you need to look in the mirror and go, why is it I'm so afraid to commit? Why is it that I'm not following through? And there's usually a backstory about committing to something. Sure. What do you but think? it can also think? be another deal breaker. Exactly. I, and I know for me, commitments, you know, it's like if you're going to do something, you know, do it, like you said, you know, have the moxie to back it up, but also don't make commitments just out of thin air. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I promise I'm going to do that by tomorrow. When you know that it's not going to be even possible, just be honest with yourself and be honest with other people. And you will get that trust and that respect a hell of a lot better because I used to be the, you know, the people pleasers like, oh, yes, I can do this. And oh, yes, I can do this. And then I would kill myself to do it because it's like, oh, wow, I made a commitment to have that done by tomorrow. And that's really a week long thing or something like that. So just be truthful. I mean, again, it's just, you know, it's simple stuff. But uh, hopefully the listeners out there are like kind of going, yeah, you know, it's, I'm going to quit complicating the crap out of my life and just be honest and have some integrity and treat people with respect. Hey, how about that? Give us kick. Exactly. Because we should we should we should actually do a Overcommitters Anonymous group. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 
That is that is that is so true. I've I've gotten away from that, which I'm very proud of. It's you know Thank a you. work in process, but yeah, because I, I, I'm a people pleaser. I want to make sure everybody likes me and you know all that good stuff. And you know now, like you said it before, you know learning to say no in certain situations, just out of you know respect for ourselves. Like okay, you know what, this is not going to get me anywhere. You know I'm going to go ahead and say no at this particular point. Give us kick-ass tip number five, my dear. Number five. Oh, this is a big one. Personal development is equally as important as professional development. How you show up in business is how you show up in life. So, so you, you cannot about- separate. You can't separate how you are at home from how you are in business or on the job. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. It's you know it's so funny you talk about that because I I tell people when I when I change the suit and tie speaking and everything now I'm the same person wherever you find me if I'm by myself if I'm at home if I'm on stage if I'm at work if I'm in my car where I'm gonna be the same person every single place and it makes life so much easier right it does when you and that's living your authentic self because you're showing up as who you are but at the same point a lot of people will show up differently at work than they are at home. And and, yeah, and they, you can't because guess what? We sniff it anyway. We we know that there's something wrong. So, you know, you get the boss who's the control freak at home, or at work. He's either a pushover at home and that's his only outlet <laughs> or he's even, you know, worse at home. So th- there's a lot of variables in there. But what, what I found is, you know, unless you're done a lot of work on yourself, taken a lot of personal professional developments to get that, that balance and that authentic self coming through, usually, you know, there's a disconnect between what goes on in your personal life as well as what goes on at work. So what's your what's your take or what's your suggestion for people who struggle? There's a lot of people out there that have been taught, you know, okay, be this way for these people and be that way for those people and don't let people see your weaknesses and, you know, be, you know, people being scared of being judged. How do you recommend people get to that level where they're confident just being themselves? Well, you know what? When I hear when I hear coaches, gurus, or whoever saying, you know, just do this because people will, that's telling you that that's their issue. And that's why they're acting that way. So if they're saying, you know, don't be too vulnerable because people take advantage of you because they're afraid to be vulnerable because they don't want to be taken, taken advantage of. True. That's all fear-based. Yep. So when you hear people say, don't do that, that means they're usually doing it for themselves. So unless they've really <laughs> gone through a lot of training, you know, you, you know, like, you know, like, don't judge people. Well, that's like next to impossible because as humans, we're kind of hardwired to judge. Sure. You know, we had that whole fight, flight, survival thing. We just haven't changed it to modern society. But, you know, when you're judging people, they're usually some portion of self-judgment on yourself. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was just telling somebody that today. As a matter of fact, we often we often don't like in others the things we don't like in ourselves. Okay, Charlene. Here's the deal. I want you to share with everybody where they can get a hold of you, continue the conversation, and then if you don't mind, if you have a few extra minutes, I want to do a little bonus section and talk about body language that'll be only available on the podcast. Are you game? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. I just had well, a great time tonight, so I hope all the listeners did too. Yeah. So, so uh, here's how you can get a hold of me. Um, we're just talking over each other, aren't we? <laughs> Sorry about that. So there's two ways you can get a hold of me. Um, I'd like, um, if you want to see more of what I do and experience it, for those that want to experience it, you can go to this link. It's yourcode.best. 
forward slash Charlene Cristiano, and I'll spell that. It's Y-O-U-R-C-O-D-E dot B, like in boy, E-S-T, like in Tom, forward slash C-H-A-R-L-E-N-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-O. And if you want to talk to me or set up an appointment, I'm giving away a 30-minute free strategy session on communication that might help you in your life or your business. You can reach me at one 800 733-5180. You can also find me on LinkedIn, just Charlene Cristiano at LinkedIn. <laughs> That's the best awesome. place to find me. Well, for those of you guys driving, all of this information will be available on the Kick-Ass Radio Show page. Uh, again, you just go to the thekickassradioshow.com, and Charlene's information will all be there. So now, uh, for those of those listening live, they won't be able to hear it anymore. So this is all special for the podcast people, which I know I have quite a few people that listen on the podcast. So Charlene, what, you know, body language is, is so often missed in the communication process. People don't consider their posture or don't consider the tone of voice or their facial. Talk to us about some things that we can learn as far as body language and how important that really is in the communication process. Oh, it's massively important because nonverbal communication is your primary m- mode of communicating. So it is your body language, it is your facial expression, it's your whole demeanor. That is like the first key in communication. So if you're going to learn anything, that's the skill to learn. So um, let me give you some examples. So we've all seen the athlete, the drama queen come in the room. So excuse me for all the athletes that do this and the drama queens. But when you walk (laughs) into a room and you want attention, you know, you're the one really loud, Hi, I'm here, everybody. Oh, you know, and they're usually very engaging and very energetic, and it it works for some for about 30 seconds, and then they're like, "Well, you get this person out of the room. I can't stand it anymore." Whereas other people will go, "Oh, they're just like me," and I'm just, "Oh, I'm so happy now." So it goes beyond just the action. It really is based a lot too in the personality on how tolerant you are of another person's behavior. So that's the first case. The other thing is when you're looking for clues. You know, there's also the emotional clues, and, and this takes off into a whole different subject. And this is where I think I've really cut my teeth on it, because in healthcare, you have to look for the subtle clues in, in patients' and families' behavior. If they're withdrawn, if they're not giving you eye contact, how long are they giving you eye contact? Are they in pain? Are they walking a certain way? Are they standing a certain way? Um, people who have been abused, or in domestic violence situations are very much different. They will either lash out in the work environment because they're so angry, but if you get them in a personal space, they almost cower away from you if you raise your voice. So it's looking at all different components of body language from the emotional aspect as well as their personality type. They, they come into play. And you, you also have to deal with the cultural issues. You know, we're a multicultural world at this point, you know, in our in our country specifically, you know, at one point we were very specific or had a few different types of nationalities and cultures. Now we have everybody all over the world. There are all different cultural mores involved in how people communicate. So it, it's just being aware that there are so many different things to keep in mind when you're looking at body language. 
No, that's that is so so huge, Charlene. It's I mean it's one of my biggest pet peeves when I see people. I inter, I do a lot of interviewing, and I'll see people coming in, and the way they sit in the the guest chair, the way they handle themselves, their facial expressions or their lack of facial expressions. I learned a long time ago before I had my teeth fixed. My teeth were all jacked up. I had like fangs, and I would never smile because I was so embarrassed about how bad my teeth look, and I never realized that somebody said to me one day like, you know, why do you always look so mad? And I thought, I'm not mad. I'm freaking laid back, dude, you know? And they're like, no, you always have this intense, mean look on your face. And it was because I wasn't smiling. So after I actually decided I got braces and I went through uh, tooth extractions and veneers and all this other stuff. So I have this you know, nice smile that I have now. And it's amazing how quickly my success changed and how quickly my relationships changed when I smiled. Just the simple act of giving a genuine smile to somebody. I love walking down the street and seeing people with a pissed off look on their face and just looking at them saying hi and smiling and just watching their watching me either look at me like I'm crazy or actually taking a second and smiling back. It's just it's incredible. You know, look in the mirror. I mean they 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 say when you're practicing communication, look in the mirror and look and see if you have, you know, a facial expression that can match what it is you're saying. And somebody was telling me the other day that a great trick for that, I don't know if you ever heard this, is to videotape yourself having a conversation without saying any words and just using your your visual self to try to convey the message, whether it's, you know, you're telling a dangerous story or telling a sad story and, and thinking about what you would look like. Do you have any tips for people how they can improve their body language and be uh, aware of it? You know what? There are several things you can do. That That's a really good tip is, is, is um, videotaping yourself. But a lot of people won't do that because they're too self-conscious. When, when you're dealing with self-esteem issues, and that's surrounding a lot of the body, lang- the body language and, and the communication that's coming off, it's being able to, to own that there's a challenge first. You have, you have to recognize that you actually do have a problem communicating. Either you don't like to talk to people, you don't like to look at them in the face, you're, you know, you're embarrassed because you said your teeth, or your weight. Gosh, every woman you know, hates their weight, so you know, we always use that as an excuse. Our hair. You know, just recognize that what's coming up for you that's creating this behavior change. Look in the mirror. Get some feedback from a trusted friend. I mean, you know, I would say pretty much everybody has at least one person in their life that would give them some honest feedback. And just listen. Say, you know what, I really want to grow. I'm really looking to get out and do better in my business. I want to be more approachable. Is there anything that you can tell me that would help me do that? Because you're you're needing to be vulnerable to hear that information. Most of the times people that, you know, pull back and hold back have had things happen in the past that made them think and believe a certain way. Some have under, unfortunately gone through abuse, but some of it's just decisions they made when they were younger that they're not good enough or they're not smart enough or they're not pretty enough or they're not skinny enough or they're not fill in the blank. So that also comes out in the communication. So, again, it goes back into a lot of that personal development and self-awareness work to go deeper into why. Smiling, for me, is my secret weapon. When I walk into a room, I mean, it just it's like that secret weapon that people just won't use. And, and just remember, when you walk, say, oh, Charlene, secret weapon, you literally just look them in the face and give a genuine smile, not that, that half smile, eh, I really want to, don't want to, connect with you kind of smile because that really comes off bad anyway. But really genuinely say, you know, I'm really happy to meet you. And if you're having trouble with that, that probably means that you're not happy with yourself. Yeah. Because it will always start with you as the individual. Always. 
So if you're feeling that way, guess what? It's being reflected back to you. Yep. So true. I couldn't agree with you more. That's that's uh it's very interesting because I know for myself when I'm not congruent, I call it congruent. When I'm not congruent with mm-hmm. who I am and what I feel like, that I have to put it on to be kick ass. You know, that's when yep. I can I can feel the the ickiness in my own soul. It's like okay, I have to go to this networking event. I'm in a bad mood. I've had a bad day. I'm not feeling very good. I only had two hours of sleep, and now I can't walk in there and be transparent. And go, yeah, life sucks right now, and I'm pissed off. You got to walk in there and be like, all right, hey, and I can feel the cheesiness. It's like oh, so I really <laughs> I try to avoid those situations and just you know obviously just have a kick ass life and everything. But um, uh, yeah, you're, you're I, human. You know, I have those moments, too. You pull up and you go, you know, my computer meltdown or whatever and things don't work and, you know, this goes on and this one's busting my chops. And, and you go in there like, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is go in here and be nice to people. I want to go in and just bang somebody off the wall because you're so angry at something or someone else. When you're like that, you just have to stop before you even go in the room, get out of your car and go, look, this is your crap. It's done. It's behind you. You have to move. It's almost like self-talk. Like yeah. these people do not deserve to be treated like you're feeling. So mm-hmm. you either don't go in and change plans if you can, or you have to say enough of the nonsense, let it go. And you either take deep breaths, you do meditation, you watch, you listen to, you know, watch a funny YouTube or something to, to kind of help shift the, the brain chemicals going on in your body because you're in yep. that adrenaline, fight, flight, nasty mode. And, and you know, the body takes over. And so you have to, like, trick out the brain, so to speak. So f- find a song, you know, on your iPhones or your smartphones. Have a song that, you know, you will always lift your, no matter what, you know, celebration or something silly. It doesn't matter. Just whatever works for you, a YouTube music have like something you can read quickly before you get out of a car, before you go into a meeting. For me, it's the deep breath. It's just, you know, imagining I'm just letting go of all this baggage that I've been carrying around for the last day or whatever, hours. And sometimes just imagery of just cutting cords. Okay, I'm leaving you behind. I'm shutting the door. Okay, I'm free. Okay, I feel lighter. Take a breath. I mean, sometimes you just really have to find what works for you, and it'll change. Not everything works every time. Mm, it's true. It's true. And you gave it. You just gave a great uh, uh, recommendation. I have a playlist on my phone that's called Speaking. So whenever I'm going somewhere, I listen to like these five or six upbeat, you know, positive songs. One of them is Bon Jovi. It's my life. And I sing out loud, and I get the endorphins going. And by the time I get wherever I'm going, ninety nine percent of the time I'm in a good mood. It's like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Life isn't so bad. This is awesome, and blah blah. Or in the same respect, I'll have a comedy list. And some of my favorite comedians in there, you know, short bits, you know, two-minute bits, five-minute bits, and listen to them, get some laughing going. You know, there's stuff that we can do. Absolutely. You know what? And I'm going to reflect back to what I said earlier on on the radio show. I worked in death and dying. I, I did years in oncology. I've seen more death than most people probably listening to this call unless you're in healthcare. Let me tell you. At the end of life, no one ever says, you know what, I wish I would have held on to my grudge more. I wish I would have, you know, really beat the pulp out of someone. No. You know what they say? I wish I would have loved more. I wish I would be more forgiving. I wish I was just, you know, just enjoyed life. Well, do it now in the moment when before you're getting out of the car or before a meeting or you go in your house when you're really having a bad moment. Go, what if this was my last moment? 
Do I want to end my life feeling like this? Or do I want to just say, you know what? It's, it's all crazy. Let me just let it go. And what brings me joy? Because let me tell right. you, you never know when it's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want to keep that mental frame. You know, I don't mean to sound like a downer here on this call, but that's reality. You know, you can, you can pull this stuff with you all day long or you can let it go and just be that lightness, be that happiness, be that happy person. It doesn't mean you're ignoring all that stuff that's bothering you. You know, there's some serious things that happen in our lives, you know, sickness and things. You know, so I'm not belittling that, so I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. But at the same time, we know those little perky things that get us all day long. Oh, this one didn't call me back, and oh, my gosh, my computer didn't work, and oh, the printer broke, and oh, geez, I had a leak in the pipes. All right, so what? It'll get fixed. It's an inconvenience. It's an nuisance. Was the timing bad? Yeah. Okay. Move on. You're still breathing. You're still here. Still alive. Yeah. That's what people need to remember when they can't get out of it. That's so true. It's Life so true. happens. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is this one of the things I ask myself, Charlene? Is is this going to matter in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks? You know, and usually most of the stuff, it's like we take it personally. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, and it's like, oh, and we, we let it fester. For, oh, this is what kind of day it's going to be. Jesus. You know, all that crap. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, in the grand scheme, we just do a control out, delete on your personality. Okay, you know what? I had a crappy moment right now, but it's not going to define the rest of my day. Um, you know, we could, uh, we could definitely spend hours talking about that. But uh, this has been the bonus section, ladies and gentlemen, of the Kick-Ass Radio Show. I'm my guest tonight, uh, Charlene Cristiano. Uh, just uh, talking about relationships and communication and trust and sales and just all things living kick-ass personally and professionally. So I hope you guys enjoyed all of this. Uh, send us an email and let us know what you think of the show. Info at thekickassradioshow.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think. And if you have an idea for a guest, again, use that same email. Let us know who it is and uh, how they can uh, come on here in the show. We'll get in touch with them. So, Charlene, thank you so much. I'll make sure all of your contact information is up on the show page. Uh, and let me just clarify, make sure I got this link correct. It is yourcode.best forward slash Charlene Cristiano. Correct. That's it. That's the easiest way. You can go see who you are and how you communicate in the world. And uh, we can be in touch if you want. And like I said, I gave the 800 number. So if you want to dive deeper, have a different conversation, please feel free to call me. I look forward to speaking. And Christopher, thank you so much for having me on the show. Like you said, we can talk for hours. And uh, it's just a pleasure. And I hope I brought some value to your listeners and that it's a few ahas along the way. And if even if I just made you smile once, it's been good. I appreciate you, it. You have been awesome. Thank you so much for being on there. Shoot me that 800 number one more time again. Sure. It's 1-800-733-5180. Okay. Well, thank you so much, my dear. And uh, let's talk more. Let's let's keep in touch and, and continue the conversation and, and help each other out. And uh, for those of you guys listening, thank you so much. I love you guys. You guys are amazing, awesome, wonderful audience. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much. Let us know how we did. So until next week, our guest uh, coming up next week is going to be, drum roll, uh, Susan Glavin. Susan Glavin is going to be on the show next week, rocking the mic. And, uh, again, go back and listen to these other shows. Go back and listen to tonight's show on the podcast. Take notes and put it into play because but truly is going to take your success and your happiness to a whole new level. Charlene, thank you so much, my dear. Have a great evening. And to all my listeners, you. you guys rock and kick ass.